There's a gap between what we believe and how we behave towards God, and there's a gap even uh, between what we believe and how we behave towards ourselves. Now, if that doesn't, if that doesn't make any sense at the moment, um, hold fire and hopefully we'll do a bit later. Now, this doesn't mean we're not Christians. Okay? It doesn't mean we're not, um, we're not saved. and we, we can get in this total panic where we think, well, if my life doesn't entirely tie up with what it should be and with what I profess to believe, that must be a sign I'm not born again. Well, no, not at all. Okay? Sin remains in us. And one of the things that sin does is, is cloud our minds. We don't see things as clearly as we should. And it also blocks, if you like, um, the, the, the communication between what we say we believe and what we do. So, of course, we're not perfect. We're not meant to panic. But still, this, this gap can exist between what we profess and how we live. Um, let me give you one example of this. Come with me to Galatians chapter 2, please. Galatians 2. And Galatians 2, I'm going to read from verse 11. So this is Paul writing, Paul writes Galatians, and he's speaking about a situation that came up with Peter. So Peter is Kephas in this passage, his his, uh, Aramaic name. So Galatians 2 and verse 11. But when Kephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back. And separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Now, what's going on? I'm just going to pause there. What's going on? Before we see what the, what the solution is. Well, the, the problem is that Peter, called Kephas here, Peter, initially he's really happy eating with the Gentiles. See that verse 12? Before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when these men came, he, he pulled back and said, no, I'm not going to eat with, with, with Gentiles. I'm only going to eat with, with Jews. Now, if you'd been Paul, trying to sort Peter out in that situation, I wonder what you'd have said. Look what Paul says, verse 14. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel... I said to Kephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Well, before we, without getting into the nitty-gritty of Jews and Gentiles and all the rest of it, the fundamental point, verse 14, is that Paul's, sorry, Peter's life, his conduct, his behaviour, wasn't in step with the truth of the gospel. So Paul's answer wasn't simply, hey, stop it, Peter. Start, start doing what you're told, eating with Gentiles. It wasn't even just saying, hey, Gentiles are in now. You know, Old Testament, they were out, but now they're in. It was, your behaviour is not in line with the gospel. Uh, why? Well, I mean, it's the whole theme of Galatians. We haven't got time to look at it too much this morning. But, but if, the whole, if the gospel is all about the fact that we're justified, declared right with God by grace through faith, not because of anything we do or because of anything we are, but purely on account of what God has done in Jesus... <laughs> Well, well, then there can be no sort of top tier, lower tier, no in and out uh, Christians. We're all one in Christ Jesus. That's why later in the letter Paul can say there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, 
uh, and so on. Uh, lots of Paul's letters, in fact, follow this, this pattern. If you, get, if you read letters like Ephesians, um, Colossians, they, they often have the pattern of the first half of the letter being all about the gospel, what God has done. And only then, in the second half, turning to how we ought to behave in light of it. And the reason the letters are stretched, uh, structured like that, I think, are, are twofold. One is that the gospel is the most important thing. So that's where Paul starts. First half of Romans 1 all the way through to the end of chapter 11 is all about what God has done in the gospel in all sorts of ways. Ephesians 1 through 3, all about what God has done in various ways in the gospel. Colossians chapter 1 and 2, all about what God has done. He all starts with the gospel before turning to what we should do. But, but that also teaches us that if there's a problem with how we're behaving... Okay, problem with our, our life, our actions, then it's not simply that we need to learn more commandments. Okay, jump to the, this is how you should live. Okay, that, that is helpful. Okay, Paul does spend the second half of his letters telling us how we should live, but it's always based on what we should believe. So if we're not doing the doing, as it were, the first thing is to go back um, to believing more deeply what Christ has done. Now, as a church, hopefully, God willing, we are, we are orthodox in our belief. And that's something to be ashamed of. Sometimes, I wonder if conservative evangelicals, we get a bit um, sort of self-masochistic about it. You know, you know we just believe, we, you know, too into theology and we're too thinky and all the rest of it. It's, it's, you can't be too thinky. You can't be too theological or too into the Bible, too orthodox in your thinking. But you can have a gap between what we profess with our lips and how we behave. Uh, in other words, as a church, at the moment, I don't think, I don't think we're in much danger of going off track theologically. Okay, if we are, and you spotted it, shout. But it doesn't seem to be our problem. I doubt it's our problem. Um, what, what is more likely to happen, and I don't think this, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is happening, so this isn't some me diagnosing, but what is much more likely is that we stay orthodox, but actually we we live gracelessly, okay, graceless lives. The gospel doesn't kind of permeate through into how we live. So think of the description of Jesus as full of grace and truth. Okay, they're, not, they're not in tension with each other. It's not that he was sort of 50% gracious and 50% truthful. No, 100% truth, but also 100% grace. Okay, they're, not, they're, not, they're not things you have to balance. They're things you're meant to be full of um, entirely. Um, in both cases. So, I've talked enough already. J- just around tables, even before we've really begun this series and looked at any examples or thought of anything in particular, wh- what would you expect in a, to see in a church that really believed, pardon the expression, the gospel of grace alone? Okay, what would life look like, relationships look like? It's, it's a really open question, deliberately, so I don't mind where you go with it, but in, in terms of the kind of the culture, the, the feel, the atmosphere... Um, the relationships, the friendships, the, all that sort of stuff. What would you expect in a church that really believed in grace alone? The gospel of grace alone. Over to you. Okay, let's, what sort of things have you talked about? By the way, help the, the, get stuck into the croissants and pastries and all the rest of it that... I think we've all congregated on the middle two tables, but uh, I'm, sure yeah. willing, I'm sure they're willing to share. Um, yeah, what kind of things have you, have you spoken about? Uh, 
Okay, big group at the back. It's twice the size of every other group, you're going to get picked on. <laughs> Judgmental. Other things. I mean, it's all sorts of stuff. So. That we're all sinners. Hmm. We start from that point, and that helps us in how we view ourselves okay. and how we view everybody else as well. Okay. A, 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 an actual acceptance that we sin. <laughs> a real acceptance that we're still sinners, even after uh, after being saved. Um, other stuff. I mean, what, what did uh, what do you guys chat about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really helpful, and that, that that's such a pattern we fall into, isn't it? If you, um, so what Chris was saying there that it, it's very easy to have the gospel as the thing for the non-Christians brings you in, and then once you're in, it's just bang law. You know, there's no grace left. <laughs> um, that was that was for before you became a Christian, but come on, now you're a Christian. You know, do this, do this, do this, do this. Um, yeah, that's really, that's really helpful. Um, just um, it was sort of pretty introductory today first session back and all the rest of it but come with me to Romans 15 we'll look at one example of this and Romans 15 I'm going to read verses 1 to 7 so Romans 15 uh, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbour for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it's written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. It's really that last verse that I want to to focus on for the rest of our time this morning. Uh, Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. It's an example in, in, in one verse of, of really what I'm trying to get at with this, this whole um, series. Put a little budget diagram on your, <laughs> on your sheet. G- gospel truth comes down. Okay, the, the truth of the gospel comes down in Christ and it's meant to create a gospel culture. The welcome that you've received, you then show to other people. Okay, so Christ's welcoming of you shapes your welcoming of others. You can see the pretty basic principle. 
comes from heaven and then horizontally is, is shared between us. So you start thinking, well, how has Christ welcomed us? What does it mean to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God? How has Christ welcomed you? It can't mean, can it, a friendly hello and a handshake on the door. Okay? Or a hi, how's your week been? Okay, those are good things. Small talk's a good thing. You get over pious about it and get told off if after church you talk about anything other than what the sermon is about. No, it's, 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 we, have, we live lives in God's world and we talk about it. That's, that's fine. But... Jesus didn't just come down to say hello to us. There's got to be more going on in welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Um, What type of welcome has he given us? Well, verse 7 begins, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Um, Therefore, when it's followed by command, it always makes you look back to the, okay, what's the reason um, given in the verses above for which I'm given this command and, and um, pretty simply, verse three: Christ did not please himself, but as is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. Christ didn't come down to earth for his own sake. Okay, he had no need to. He had nothing to gain. Um, the Son of God wasn't missing anything. He wasn't bored. He didn't need worshippers. Didn't need brothers and sisters. Um, he didn't need to save anybody. Um, nor was he obliged by some sort of rule as if you know, it was God's job to save sinners. It was grace that brought him down. Um, Christ didn't come to please himself. And, and even when he did come down, he would have had every right to come down and just collect glory, wealth and honour. It would have been perfectly just for Christ to, you know, once he'd already been gracious enough to become man, to, to come to a palace Okay, to, to have everybody bring him tribute and wealth uh, and the greatest food and glory, uh, to live a life of pleasure, but he didn't. Uh, rather, and that little, vote, the little verse there is really just a, a, summary, a summary verse of the gospel, rather all the, the shame and sin and scorn that should have been ours uh, was piled onto him. What did Christ, how did Christ welcome us? He, he welcomed us by, by actually bringing him in us, rather, into his life. <laughs> he accepts you. He welcomes you. The gospel isn't just a transaction. Okay? It wasn't just that he paid a price and so now you're kind of okay. He, he came down to win you, to, to welcome you into his kingdom, to bring you into his father's house. And so to welcome someone... Uh, or welcome one another, rather, as Christ has welcomed us, isn't just the sort of negative thing of, well, I won't reject anyone, but, but positively, uh, positively, I, I, I'm going to open my, my life to them. Okay? I'm going to put them above me, seek their good before my own good, put myself second and, and them first. Obviously, that's a pretty common theme uh, in the New Testament. Uh, it is not, it's not just a, a friendly hello, good as that is, and it's not just a kind of, okay, I won't reject them. It's a positive opening up of your life uh, and a seeking the good of your brothers and sisters. Um, it's an incredible thing that God says to sinners, welcome. <coughs> not just you're pardoned or you're forgiven, but welcome. Welcome to Jesus. That, that kind of seeking other people welcome is what ought to be played out, Paul says, uh, in the church. 
So um, let's try and put a bit of flesh on the bones. We're going to go back into some sort of groups. Um, we don't, by the way, we don't organise these groups. You can sit where you want every week. So there's no appointed table leaders or anything like that. It's much more uh, free-for-all. Um, but back in groups, someone just take the lead. Um, have a go at the first two sort of discussion questions. Okay, what would relationships look like if they were shaped by Romans 15.7? So dig a little bit more into what... <coughs> What would it actually look like if I, if I tried to welcome, particularly my brothers and sisters in the church, if I welcomed people um, like Christ welcomed me? What would be the, the tone, the flavour? What might I do? Um, how might that change how you walk into the room on a Sunday morning? Gathering. And then just a very, a very short look at 1 John 1. Okay, don't, don't get, try not to get sucked too much into the, to the weeds, but um, if someone reads those verses and then have a little look at those four questions. Great. Yeah, we, just for time, we ought to, um, we ought to wrap up. Um, I think the striking thing in 1 John is... Just let me flick it up. Um, walking the light is clearly not sinlessness. It doesn't say to walk in the light doesn't mean you are above and without sin. Um, uh, clearly, because the next verse says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So walking the light isn't... isn't sort of super spirituality that never falls, never sins. Um, rather, it's walking in truth, and the truth is we do sin. Um, and um, therefore, in verse 8 and 9, uh, the, the command is to confess our sins and God will forgive and cleanse. Um, but what's striking is that actually, in verse 7, this walking the light leads to fellowship, not just with Jesus, but with one another. Um, so it, it's as we confess our sin, find grace and, and mercy from Christ again, that actually our fellowship with one another is strengthened as well. And that's something I want to think about a bit later um, uh, in the, well, the next session or the one after, I'm not quite sure yet. Um, it, it's, very, it's very easy to admit you're a sinner, particularly in church context, we all know we're sinners. Um, it is... Harder, but still possible to admit your sin to God um, in private. <laughs> you know, we don't like going to God. We fear him wrongly at times, but, you know, we confess our sins. Um, but for some reason, this is where the blockage comes. We really struggle to admit it to one another. We'll admit little things. Not perfect. Could be reading my Bible more. Could be praying, whatever. But we really struggle to admit when we really sin. Okay, so if, I'm not going to, but let's just say I said, right, you've got to turn to the person next to you, tell them the worst thing you've done um, this last month. Okay, we'd all just hunker in on ourselves. Okay, I'm not going to do that, it would be totally unfair. It's not, there's no command in the Bible to say that you've got to turn to the person you might have met five seconds ago and, um, and tell them your sort of deepest, darkest secrets. But, um, hey, you guys. Um, but even just that instinct of flinching shows how, how keen we are to sort of pull away. Um, Zach, you're right to go with George. Um, yeah, thanks. Okay, um, let's wrap up there because we ought to um, turn church around. L- let me pray and then um, yeah, we'll go. Uh, Lord God, we want so much to walk in the light, uh, to have fellowship with your son. Uh, we want, therefore, uh, in your mercy uh, to us. Uh, to see our own sin and be willing to confess it to you and to one another. We thank you so much. We're saved by grace alone.
Uh, we pray so much that we don't, even as we walk down the, the road of the Christian life, we don't ever leave the cross, don't ever leave the, the grace of the gospel. I pray for ourselves as a church, the fellowship, that we would have real fellowship with one another. Um, all defences down, masks off, um, rejoicing not in, in our own righteousness, but in Jesus' love and mercy. Bless us, therefore, uh, today. Bless us in, in our life uh, together. Uh, for we ask for his glory's sake. Amen.